0: All
1: right. So we begin our conversation. It's our relationship conversation. And I guess, as usual, is our relationship coach, Leah Sifo. And today's discussion is about when to leave a toxic relationship. Let me just welcome Leah onto the show. First of all, Leah, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Good afternoon.
2: Hi, good afternoon. So, Leah, let's define what is a toxic relationship, first of all. Okay, so there's a difference between a toxic relationship and an abusive relationship. Mm -hmm. And, you know, both of them can be uh, mixed up. But basically, it is any behavior that gets you feeling completely out of control. It lowers your self-esteem. It lowers your self-respect. It lowers your confidence. And you begin to question your sanity a lot of the time. And um, it it just becomes an unsafe environment to be.
1: Mm. And then you said there's a distinction and a difference between that and an abusive
2: relationship. What's the difference? So the a toxic relationship is like an out of control experience. The the people in a toxic relationship are very triggered and they're reactive. Um, and it's it's when both or, or one of the people in the relationship is out of control. Whereas abusers are one hundred percent in control of their behavior. Uh-huh. An abusive relationship it was a very controlled experience.
1: So would you say that sometimes a toxic relationship is as a result of something else? In other words, they're not necessarily
2: consciously trying to hurt you? Is that what you say? Yes, yes. Look, I mean, toxic relationships are about having unhealthy communication behaviors. It's when your reactive nature is always out of proportion to the event of what has gone on. There's competitiveness. There's an unwillingness to take responsibility for your actions. Um, it, it's almost um, like throwing a kind of temper tantrum energy it happens with toxic behavior. You're overwhelmed with work. You, you're having a lot of strain in other areas of your life, and you'll come home and you'll take that stuff out of your partner. So it's quite unconscious, and it's, and it's reactive, whereas abusive relationship, the abuser... Is is always in control they are extremely calculated they're very deliberate in their behavior and an abuser will make conscious choices to manipulate and dominate their partners and they do it in very subtle ways that the partner won't see it happening in the beginning how would
1: the other partner know the difference in other words how would the partner know that this is
2: an abuser it's not just a toxic relationship this is calculated look it's, it's hard because sometimes the lines do get blurred but you know the thing is is when the your partner wants to start controlling all areas of your life in other words they want to control who you're friends with when you're allowed to see your family uh, what you're allowed to do with your finances and when they want to know who are who are you with where are you going this weekend you know they want to control your whole social life that is very dangerous controlling behavior mm-hmm. um, and it starts with that mental emotional abuse it's that gaslighting of mm-hmm. always getting you to question yourself and and over time it will escalate into physical and sexual abuse
1: yeah i want to bring in um a case study and she's with us this afternoon tembi Mpanga many of you may know tembi but she is a a burn survivor and she was in, in a relationship that found her ultimately burnt alive she joins us now via zoom tembi thank you so much for making the time to talk to us good afternoon Good afternoon, Tembi. Okay, we're going to try and sort that line out because she doesn't seem to hear us. When then, Leah, coming back to you, would you then say, you know, this this is, this is a life and death situation. I need to walk out. Can it be fixed? Can an abusive relationship be fixed?
2: No, in my experience, abusers will always have abusive behavior, and that's why it's important to tell the difference between a toxic, you know, toxic is usually an, a situational, and depending on what's going on in the environment, everybody can have a bad day, mm. everybody can lose their temper, um, you know, not all fights are toxic, but, but abusers who read, the minute it escalates into physical violence, you need to walk away immediately, the minute it starts becoming controlling of all areas of your life, telling you who you're allowed to see, what people you're not allowed to see, what are you doing with your money, where? Where have you been? That kind of behavior is extremely, um, that's when toxicity is becoming abusive. And unfortunately, in my experience, abusive behaviors will not change.
1: Well, an abusive relationship always have a gradual uh, tendency. In other words, does it ever happen that it's the day the day he decides to beat you is the day he decides to kill you?
2: No, I, I, I can't answer that definitively. I mean, in, in my experience of having worked with couples, I can say that it's always an escalation. So it always starts in a lovely way, a very charming partner, and and the problem is that they start at a very high level of being charming and lovely, mm. and then when bad behaviour comes along, the the partner starts to make excuses for it. Mm. Oh, he just had a bad day at work. Oh, I know that he's not usually like that. Um, no, no, he's never done that before, and it's and you you make excuses ongoing for bad behaviour. Behavior. And when the abuser can see that he gets away with it, he will do it again and he will do it again. And and if you stay for the second, third, fourth time he's doing it or she's doing it, it um, it's it's going to become much harder to walk away.
1: I've got Tembi back now on, on a better line. She joins us now on the line. Thank you so much for staying with us, Tembi. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, everyone.
3: Good
1: afternoon. Tembi, we were just, uh, bef- you know, before you were able to connect with us, um, beginning a conversation around your story. Tell us slightly about your background in your relationship. My
3: background and my relationship, my ex was, uh, was very, very charming. He was very, very charming. And his episodes of manipulation and. Um, a few we're not everything that happens every day and it didn't just start like something has it's such a And then the next day it was a flat, and then the next day like in, in a maybe in a month's time the you So it wasn't something that just happened over night. Mm. It's something that escalated from one step to another. Did but you... you are very charming and yeah. and Apologetic and promising that he will be better.
1: Did you at the time think this is going to escalate to where it got to?
3: I never thought, but I knew it was wrong, what mm. was happening. Mm. And as we used to speak about it, and as he promised, he's going to get better. And I was always there. It has nothing to do with me, whatever that he was doing because I could see he got issues. He has some issues. And then when he goes through them, and I'm going to be
1: the person who's going to lash out. To you. You, Leah was saying earlier that um, we find reasons to excuse our partners when this kind of thing happens, either way, men or women. Um, what was your reason for excusing his behavior? My
3: head still love believing him that if he's gonna get better, mm. we're gonna fix this whole thing, we're gonna get to the so called um, honeymoon phase that we were when we started dancing. Mm. And because I wanted us to be there, and I believe we're gonna
1: fix it, we're gonna be fine. Mm. Tell us about when it escalated to a point where he, he burned you.
3: We had an accident. It was the day before. That was very, very strange because he misbehaved the day before. And it was, we were with a lot of people that saw him doing those things and they were surprised how he behaved. And he ran away until the following day he came saying he wanted to talk. I was expecting an apology as I was so less and everything, hoping. And I expressing expecting an apology when he said, You need to talk privately. I'm taking my dog home. We go, he locks the door. It's fine. I'm sitting there. He pulls out a five liter pen without saying anything. And still, I'm, I'm still, what's happening? And he threw it all over me. That's when I knew he still fighting. That thing of yesterday it still been happening today. And I've been waiting for it. i tried pulling him, but he had it all filled out and planned what he wanted to do. And he was so sure of how he's going to do it. And he did it. It's my test. left through the window and left us there. Where,
1: where, was y- I- where was your daughter at this time, Tembi?
3: In the bedroom, he And
1: And then what happened then? He jumped through the window, he left off there.
3: I followed him, I mean flames and everything. I went to the test, threw myself with water. And then maybe started to realize that, oh, there's smoke coming from the next door. And I told them, in there. And they went, and they stayed there. Then we went to the little room. <laughs> so he disappeared. He just went away, and he was never found for some time. And going to a hospital, I lived there for a very long time, 34 months in a coma. But unfortunately, my daughter passed away during that uh, period, and she was buried during that period while I was fighting for my life. And um, the entire twenty to ten actually, I was in our hospital was oh, no one ever
1: thought about it yesterday. And I'm here. Very of God. Huh. Leah, I'm, I'm going to leave it to you, your your comments on the story.
2: It's just horrific. It's just the most horrific experience. I don't think anyone can imagine what you've been through, Tembi. Um, and it's it's just so heartbreaking because you know that the reaction was so out of proportion to what you thought had gone on the day before. And, you know there was stuff that wasn't okay, but no one ever expects behaviour to escalate this rapidly, um, and and you can never be prepared for it. But I think you know if you'd looked back through the relationship, there were obviously a lot of red flags, a lot of signs, and and you say you know you you had the hope that he would get better. He promised that he would change. You know, and this is what abusers do; they make these promises. Uh, I'll get better. I'll do what I can. I'll go and get the help. And you believe them because, you know, like Tembi said, he was extremely charming in the beginning. And Mm. this is what happens with abusers. They really um, manipulate you with their charm. And then you genuinely believe that that is the real person and that the abusive behavior is the strange behavior. It's actually the other way around. The abusive behavior and the abuser is the real person, and that charming act is an mm. act to kind of hook people in. Mm. And people stay mm. around and they hope that it's going to get better because they've seen the supposed lovely side of the person and think that that's the real person that's waiting to emerge. Mm. Oh, it's just heartbreaking.
1: You know, I think what's going through in my head is how, how do we prevent it from happening? So not to have a situation where it's only too late by the time the person,
2: you know, acts because. It had been too late. It's too late, and I think that this is where self-work comes in, in terms of understanding what your boundaries look like. And your boundaries can be whatever you choose them to be. And the minute a partner you are in a relationship with violates that boundary, they speak to you in a way that is not okay for you. They emotionally, you know, reject you or tease you or ridicule you in a way that's not okay. They physically touch you in a way that's not okay. The second that happens, you have the right to stop immediately and go, this is not for me, or to teach the person you are in a relationship with it, I will not tolerate this behavior. But we, we don't put the stop in place as soon as the behavior happens. So we've got to look at our own sense of boundaries with self. And I think this is just one of the biggest things around gender-based violence is where do we start the healing? Where do we start shifting the behaviors? Because, you know, response programs are great, um, but they're, they're not enough. There's not enough manpower. And by then the damage has been done. You know, where are the prevention programs happening to educate you know, and and I think we we've got to, you know, look at the the, the how men are being raised to believe that they have authority over women, to mm-hmm. believe that women are property, to believe that they are entitled to women's bodies, that we have to start education at a much younger age with men around this particular issue.
1: Mm-hmm. Tembi, what what subsequently happened to the perpetrator?
3: Uh he was uh arrested. He was arrested and uh even though um, he was even sentenced, I wasn't happy with the sentencing because they gave him 10 years, and of which five years of it was uh, suspended.
1: So, what, was, was, he, was he convicted of both the murder and burning you as well? Or what was he actually convicted of?
3: He was convicted of um, both. I attempted MEDA and then I forgot what they said about my daughter, the way I was so, sure. yes. so, so, so emotionally that mm. they, I didn't even really hear what they are giving him because mm. it was like a split in my face, That how can they give him only 10 years and because he's a beginner and you know, they bring all those, um, waves, those big weights, he's a beginner, he didn't do. he doesn't have a criminal record, blah,
1: blah, blah. But then when I was still healing, he was already out. Sure. He a- was already out. A- and where is he now? He died. From? He died.
3: Um, suicide. I
1: think the outside world was just too harsh for him. What what does that um, for you? What what is that? How does it land with you that he he subsequently died of suicide?
3: Um, there was some in some time where I wanted him out. Like I felt like he was in a hotel. I mean, come on, you sit in jail, you eat for free, you do whatever for free, you study for free. I felt like let him come out, and he was released, and he was out. I was shocked, but he was like, yeah, let's let's. Hustle for this life for together, and when he died, I felt that like he took the easy way out.
1: Have you ever spoken to his family? I know they were not responsible, but have you? Are you still in touch with them? Have you? Did you ever speak to him afterwards?
3: The only time I spoke to him is when I was an outpatient in twenty eleven. I went to see him in jail to tell him I forgave him. I'm not going to carry this weight of hating him with me. It's too heavy. So uh, that's the only time after the trial I went to see him. But during his relief time, I never saw him. I just heard. We saw him. We saw him in rumors, but I never saw him.
1: And so when you said he, to him you forgave him, what was his response?
3: He just cried. He said nothing to me. Just said there and cried.
1: Emotionally, how are you doing now, Timbi? This happened in 2010. Um,
3: I'm healed. Hmm. I'm healed. It was a roller coaster, yes. But I'm healed. Hmm. Physically, yes, I look like I went yesterday. Mm-hmm. But it's been a long recovery. But I'm, I'm okay. I'm 120 okay about me inside and how I look i'm
1: super okay let's take some voice notes um lots of voice notes that want to reach out to you tembi and some maybe for you as well leah
0: hi pemelo it's calvin beza in malamde it's so painful listening um tembi stories and no wonder what's going what was going through to that guy's mind to an extent of even burning someone The way I'm so even scared to see someone crying, I don't think I will ever see myself hating someone in such a way of even in the extent of of losing a a child. I I can't, I can't. It's so painful that we need to to do introspection as men going forward. It's not cool at all.
2: Leah, your your comments? I just think that we can't, we've got to be very awake with gender based violence, that we're not just painting all men with the same brush. And there are such a huge amount of men that are so. Powerfully against what men do to women. But I'm asking those men to really stand far more powerfully with your fellow men in your communities. And you've got to hold your fathers, uncles, brothers and sons to account and not just keep leaving this to the government to try and do something about it. The change is going to start in our families and in our immediate communities. And if as a man you are listening to this and you are horrified by this, then you are the ones that have to start conversations with the men in your lives about what they believe about women. Relationships with women and their rights over women.
1: Lee, yeah, I'm going to read uh, an SMS, um, and I just want to, beforehand, um, just please ask that if there are children around that you remove them. This is quite a a sensitive um, SMS. If, please, I do ask that you just maybe uh, change a dial or do something about the children if they are in the room. And it's an anonymous SMS and it says, Pimelo, in my case, I was very jealous of her. If we are walking in town and a man greeted her specifically, um, I would ask her who that man is. I was always worried about the car she was traveling in and about who was in the car. If it was her and the driver, I would be very angry. Most of all, Pimelo, it was about the sex. It was imagining her sleeping with another man and having sex the way we did together. Ultimately, my obsession led me to kill her. So, in my experience, it is that that is the driving force before be, be behind femicide. Leah.
2: Oh. Cool. Look, I think that boys are brought up with this extremely unhealthy attitude around sex, and a lot of research done around men who rape um, is that most men who rape have done it for the first time when they were teenage boys, and all men, you know, who have who rape have have all done it before they are in their early twenties. So, you know, boys are raised with with really toxic attitudes around sex and what it means. Um, and they use sex to dominate and they feel entitled to have it and, and not being taught, you know, what it is for women, um, thinking that women behave the same way around sex that men do. So we've got to have greater conversations around sex and what it means as opposed to using it as a weapon of domination, um, as a, you know, it is a tool of connection. Um, and yet it is the only way some men know how to find connection in a relationship is through sex instead of communication. So, uh, who. It's uh, that jealousy is big. It's a very big part of this abusive behavior we're talking about today, um, and and it's just not. It's not understanding. It's not understanding the behaviors of women.
1: Hmm. Tembi, do you know ultimately? I mean, I don't know whether there was some introspection. Why do you think he killed? He he was trying to kill you and burnt you alive. Timby?
3: Truthfully speaking, I I don't know. 'cause I, I even asked him why he did it but I knew he he was very jealous as well. He'll be wanting to know my every move, my everything, where I go. Oh, he'll be sneaking, maybe I'm on a lunch with girls and he'll be following me and standing there at the corner just checking if it's only me and the girls and, and there was um what of of experience
1: jealousy was there let's take some voice notes
0: <laughs> good, your, your comments good afternoon panela Mike eastern cave uh I'm struggling to hold my to hold back my tears especially when this lady uh, said that uh, uh, she is 120 percent fine she has healed that, that that touched my heart i don't know what to say good afternoon uh, safm and listeners i i i was subjected to an an abusive uh, relationship if not toxic i, I just can't uh, draw the line between toxic and abusive but if it's not one of the two it's both I remember not once not twice but many times kneeling down in my with my knees asking God to release me out of the relationship you know and 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 but I ended up being like a, an abuser in the relationship irrespective of what I went through I ended up being like an abuser because the system the South African system does not allow us men you know to, to complain and they don't expect us to be the victims of this thing and that is exactly the reason why government is failing in you know stopping the gender based violence because it is they are one sided they are looking all they are looking on only one side of females we are subjected to a very serious abuse by women on daily basis look at the statistics as to how many men commit suicide as opposed to females, we are dying, guys, and we are left with one option to do it ourselves, DIY method, because government is not prepared to listen to us. No one is prepared to listen to us. Thanks. My name is Clement in Leo, that
1: Leah, um, just maybe if you can address Clement Npulukwani there um, just before we go to another uh, a voice note.
2: I completely agree with him. I think that there's no health programs out there for men. I think men are demonized. And, you know, gender based violence affects both genders. It's not just about women. And a lot of men are in extremely abusive relationships. But he's right. This this toxic male culture that we are not, we don't allow men to be vulnerable, um, to be emotional. They get teased. They get ridiculed. You know, you must have deserved it. Um, So we have to just find that compassion for men as well who are also in abusive relationships um, because he's absolutely right about the the high rates of suicide with men who feel that there's no out for them, there's no support structures for them to go and talk about what they're going through.
1: Here's a, um, a message as well that's coming through that says, can an abuser be directional to one person and is good to everybody else as the person said he was charming?
2: Yeah, it's a very good question. Yes, you know, abusers, because they are in such control of their behavior, they are very targeted and where they take that rage and that behavior out. And it will be on their domestic partner because it's behind closed doors and no one will see it, you know, so you won't see their behavior in an office place. You know, they don't want to compromise their, their, their status or their reputation um, with work. So that's also why it's so dangerous is because it's now targeted at a single point. So whatever the upset is that's going on elsewhere in the abuser's life, the partner is going to bear the brunt of it. So yes, it can be.
1: Mm-hmm. Jeffrey, you're calling us from Limpopo. Good afternoon. Hello, Jeffrey. Hello,
4: ma'am. How are you? We're
1: well. Thanks for calling, Jeffrey. Go ahead.
4: Hey, uh, it's Geoffrey Mutana from mm. uh, You know, this is a very serious pandemic as led by our state president. But I think uh, it is always two, two sides of the story. Hello, ma'am. Are we, you? We're
1: listening, Jeffrey. Go ahead.
4: Yeah, it's a very serious one. The problem is, the perpetrators the they are not listening to whatever the campaigns are going on. The last caller just mentioned, uh, two sides of the story, none of this country are, don't, are, are not listening to. I'm really not promoting violence. But why? Why does it going on and on without a solution? Which means there is a missing party here. The other side of story: men who are crying loudly, but nobody is able to listen to them.
1: But Jeffrey, you you are saying nobody's saying anything. But we've just heard from somebody who's who's there, who's got a different side to a story, and Leah's just addressed that.
4: Yes, Pamela. I I really agree with you there. Since I've said uh, I'm not promoting uh, violence in the country, but somewhere, somehow, to look for a a solution. Mm. When I'm implementing something that is a problem in that thing, we will definitely have a solution on that particular uh,
1: so, what do you think is the solution, Jeffrey? Since you, you know, we, th- you obviously think that we are not addressing the solution. What do you think is the solution?
4: Uh, according to me, the solution is let mm-hmm. let this government of ours. The problem was on the on the first gender based violence is the main issue here. The thing. It must be detected from the start that's sleeping with a hand that's where we must solve it from there must be reported and must be dealt with accordingly as they are listening in this purpose, mm. the dangerous they become when they realize they're victims now they're open they're 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 they familiar with uh, the, the the so-called uh uh, 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 uh awareness mm of this pandemic we are facing. The more dangerous it begins, it it starts with the slap. Thereafter, it's a murder. They chose to do that.
1: Jeffrey there in Limpopo. It's a conversation that will be ongoing, and I thank you so much, uh, Tim, for opening up about your story. I think it's been an eye-opener to many. I really appreciate the time you've given us, and I'm so glad that internally you are saying, as you said, you are 100 and... 10%, 10%, I think, you said you were healed. So thank you for your story, Tembi. Thank you for sharing. You're welcome. And Leah, thank you so much for being so sensitive for this discussion. We'll do it again soon. It, it's an ongoing conversation, as I said. I do want to thank all of you as well for taking part. In that. And I see your calls. I see your SMSs as well, as well as your voice notes. We'll get some time to go over that in a short while. Two o'clock, let's go to Jolene and Tula for the latest in SABC News.